From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. What gets measured gets treasured. So when people start asking questions, when institutional investors start saying, show me your metrics, that's when things change and things are changing. And if for no other reason, forget that it's the right thing to do, forget the consumers care about it. When companies start looking at their supply chains to, to look for ethical sourcing issues, they always find inefficiencies or other things to optimize their supply chains. Welcome back to season seven of the Miami Law Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headline. As the supply chain issues have rocked global trade, has ethical sourcing taken a hit? And do consumers care? Marcia Nadine Weldon, faculty coordinator of the Business Compliance and Sustainability Concentration at Miami Law, talks chains and sourcing on today's show. Let's go to executive producer Catherine Skip with the interview. Good morning, Marcia. Nice to have you back. Good morning. Great to be back. Um, so consumers and corporations understand and support ethical sourcing as the most uh, significant qualifier in driving social change. What's the answer? Offshoring, reshoring, rightshoring, and what do those things even mean? So first of all, I want to break down the question a little bit because you say that consumers and corporations understand that supporting ethical sourcing is the most significant qualifier in driving social change. I don't know if that's actually true. I think that there are some consumers that believe in ethical sourcing. And we talk about ethical sourcing, we're saying, where are my products coming from? Where they're, uh, so for example, Nestle has been accused of Thai fishermen um, that are getting the uh, the fish to make fancy feast cat food, uh, that that's not being sourced ethically because they may have been enslaved or there may be human trafficking issues. And same thing with where cocoa comes from or where your minerals come from. So consumers do care. Um, Whether they think that's going to be the driving force for social change, I'm not sure. And I think companies care to an extent that consumers care because there is a lot more uh, awareness of that. And and studies have just come out recently that um, after the pandemic, over almost 78 percent of people say that they're going to look at uh, or they, they want to make decisions based on ethical sourcing. The question is, how do they even know? Right. And. I don't think consumers know right-shoring, offshoring, outsourcing, those kinds of things, right? When we think of offshoring, shoring, we're making the products someplace farther away, whether that's Bangladesh, those kinds of places. And why do companies do that? Because it's much cheaper, right? You can pay a U.S. worker $20, $25 an hour, or you can pay somebody in Bangladesh $2 a day. Big difference, right? And so there's a profitability um, motive. When you think about nearshoring, that's where you're bringing things closer to the home country, so let's say it's the United States, you're maybe gonna do things closer, maybe Mexico, Canada, et cetera, but that's also expensive. And then bringing things back in is of course more expensive. So the question is, consumers want ethical sourcing, but is it ethical sourcing to get products that you know are made someplace where the labor, the environmental, and um, the other kinds of laws aren't respected or enforced, uh, but your products are cheaper. So That's a calculus I don't think a lot of consumers make. And when they say they want products that are ethically sourced, I think what they say and what they do might be two different things. They say they're willing to pay more. um, And some studies share that, bear that out, but it is not consistent. Sure, sure. Um, Well, the world has been rather topsy-turvy since last March. Um, Where are we in terms of the adherence uh, to ethical sourcing in a time when availability of many products has been very, very tight? 
Well, I think this is tough, right? Um, because when you have a situation where companies have to think about our profitability is down, we've had to lay people off, now people are bringing people back. They've also concerned about, and if you see it in the news every day now, the supply chain is clogged. Things, goods can't get places. Um, there's a shortage of truck drivers. So when companies have to make decisions about, you know, in this quarter, getting goods in the stores for the holidays and those kinds of things, you might find some companies that may not adhere to the ethical sourcing pledges that they made um, because they've got to get goods on the shelf. And so the rubber always hits the road when your promises look really great in theory, but in practice, are you going to look the other way if you know that workers in some other country are working beyond the, the, the country's overtime laws or in crowded conditions um, or uh, the safety protocols aren't being adhered to because you need more people so you're not going to have the social distancing? Uh, different parts of the world are going through major COVID crushes again. What does that mean in terms of, of making sure people have the right PPE. In some places, people are reusing masks over and over again, reusing gloves, sharing the materials. Um, that's what's happening in the places where our goods are being sourced. So do consumers know about this or care about this? I don't think they know. And the question is, um, do they care if they also want to get little Mary that, um, that whatever the hottest toy is for, for Christmas or Hanukkah? So those are the things that, that come into play. When the pandemic brought most of the world to a halt, did companies just abandon what we were just talking about, those ethics to try to get, to try to get, to produce or move ways in any way possible? I mean, that was, was that widespread or it, it was it really, or not something we can't tell? I think you heard a lot about this, but don't forget during the pandemic, a lot of people were afraid to lose their jobs. Now you see that it's a, it's an employee's market because employers can't even get enough employees. So I think at some, they didn't necessarily abandon those principles. I think at some point people just didn't know what to do. Um, you know, how far apart do people need to stand? Where do we need to do these kinds of things? You look at the meatpacking and the manufacturing places, they really struggled. Um, but then you saw public outcry with what was going on allegedly at Amazon and other kinds of places where people weren't being treated safely. And we realized our heroes are the people working in the grocery stores and those kinds of things just as much as the first responders. Um, and so because of public outcry and because of public, the unions and others started getting involved, I think many people wouldn't necessarily know what the conditions were like. And that was what helped keep some companies, quote, honest. So there has been a complete reckoning or probably never, that would never be achieved. But are we seeing the ship being righted somewhat as we move out of the pandemic or are people, is something else happening where people are, because they knew about these things happening, more bound to, you know, pressing corporations for, for ethical sourcing, for work conditions, et cetera? Well, you know, I, I'm thinking about it in a different context, in the context of the travel industry, right? So the United States is opening up its borders now. Other countries are opening up its borders. And what people will tell you is that you know, ecosystems really flourished during the pandemic because there wasn't a lot of tourism. Um, and, and it was, and we have now climate change, you know, conversations going on. And when tourists start to rush back in these places and again, uh, abuse and abuse resources and those kinds of things and want all their souvenirs, the cheap souvenirs that they buy on the side of the road that they're never going to use ever again. Um, how many trees are being cut down? How, who's actually making those things? I wonder, and I'm worried that 
all the time we had for introspection, make, let's make the planet a better place and let's treat people differently. Let's be more humane. This is a big lesson. I don't know if that's really going to be the case. I, I worry that people are going to rush back into their old habits. Um, people who couldn't spend money before. So of course, there's some people who didn't have a lot of money to spend and that situation hasn't changed. But there are people who haven't been able to go on a vacation for two years, haven't seen their grandkids in, in a year or two. Um, the feeding frenzy for buying, et cetera, is going to come back. And I don't know that people are going to say, hmm, I don't really know about whether this was sourced ethically because do they use child labor in the supply chains? You know, what kind of trees did they cut down for this? I wonder if there are conflict minerals in this. Dock. Now, you can find those out. There's apps, et cetera, right? I'm taking my family out to, to a seafood a lunch for my father's birthday. And I've got the app that talks about, you know, where my fish is coming from. I don't know if I want to look at it, to be honest, because I, I don't know if I would. That Chilean sea bass is going to taste mighty tasty in a few hours. But there's an app that's going to tell me whether it was ethically sourced. Okay, I have the app, and I don't even know if I want to look at it because I'm not sure if I want to really do what I'm supposed to do. So I think there's some ambivalence, right? And and companies know that. And with the reckoning, what I worry about is the greenwashing, right? The FTC, Federal Trade Commission, is going to be coming out with um, additional what they call green guides soon because of all the greenwashing. And that's when companies make things look environmentally sustainable. From an ethical sourcing perspective, it's happening even more and more now as we hear more people talking about and the youth and others talking about climate change and what are we doing about the planet. This gives more of an opportunity for companies to engage in greenwashing and other kinds of advertising practices that are going to prey on the real desires that many consumers, especially in the younger generations that are also telling their financial advisors, I want you to invest in things that are more sustainable, um, that are taking themselves out, you want renewable energy instead of those kinds of things. So, you know, I think it remains to be seen. Let's have this conversation again in a year or two and see what people have actually done. Because what people say they'll do when they're asked by somebody, you know, would you like to buy a pair of shoes if you knew it was made by child slaves? Well, no, of course I would not, right? But but when they're actually in the store, are they going on the apps to look to see where, where their, their materials were sourced? Um, you have luxury brands that right now are using blockchain and other kinds of technology so they can go back to the original source to check the provenance to make sure that there was no human trafficking, forced labor, um, other environmental practices going into their products because they know that their consumers care. So the question for consumers is to start asking the questions. They can go on websites called, like a website called Know the Chain that can tell you by industry whether major brands are really doing anything about human trafficking and forced labor in their supply chains. So there is information out there. The question is whether consumers will use it. Okay, well, social science tells us it takes 100 days to make a practice. So we've had lots and lots of, uh, of, of time to kind of change our habits, maybe. But you're right, we'll see what happens. Um, on that note, do you see coming out of this, do you see any permanent changes that will happen to supply change and sourcing in the, in the near future, in the far future? You know, it's hard to tell because, again, you know, the supply chain, so there's been a lot of disruption in the supply chains, you know, in terms of, as you see, costs of everything are going up, um, things are running out on the shelves. So I think there needs to be a, comply, a complete reset of how the supply chains are working. But what you are finding companies doing, forward-thinking companies, are really thinking about ethics and human rights issues and ethical sourcing issue in the design of their supply chains now, um, partly because of consumer demand. Partly because regulators um, around the world are asking questions. You know, there's the, you know, we're at the 
the height of the ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance um, uh, exposure to the world, where law firms, business schools, law schools, uh, regulators, consumers are talking about it um, and asking about it, and large institutional investors are asking questions of their companies about this. So where you know what gets measured gets treasured. So when people start asking questions, when institutional investors start saying, "Show me your metrics." That's when things change and things are changing. And if for no other reason, forget that it's the right thing to do, forget the consumers care about it. When companies start looking at their supply chains to, to look for ethical sourcing issues, they always find inefficiencies or other things to optimize their supply chains. So they're going to make more money anyway, because they're going to find waste and inefficiencies as they look at every step of their supply chain. Hmm. Interesting. Um, anything you'd like to add in closing? No, I think it's it's just I would encourage everyone to look at if they care about this. There's a, a resource called the Business and Human Rights Resources Center. Um, it's actually has information on companies by brand. When NGOs and others call the companies out and saying, hey, Skip Incorporated, you say you're doing this, but you're really not. The companies actually respond. Um, you'll see what governments are doing. You'll see them by region, by company, by industry. So that's one way to get educated. Again, there are apps. Um, the Department of Labor also does tracking every year on forced labor and human trafficking by industry and by country, if people are interested. And then, like I said, there's also things you can look at, such as Know the Chain, where there are NGOs that that track companies and compare them. So if that's something that interests you, you can go before you make a buying decision and say, where does this company stand on this? They say this publicly, but what are they actually doing and what's been independently verified? As long as you're not trying to buy a car or a couch, I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Things that are not available at all. Exactly. Well, excellent. Thank you. This was very informative. I appreciate your time. And thanks for having me again. Alrighty. See you around. Take care. Thanks for joining us at The Explainer for a whole new season of interpreting legal issues in the headlines. If you love our show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Ugez. Today's episode is brought to you by Miami Law's 6th Annual Class Action and Complex Litigation Forum in person on January 28, 2022. For more information, visit law.miami.edu.